This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. This is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Aaron Beal from San Antonio, is going to come on and tell us all about what he's doing down in San Antonio to be successful in real estate. Hey, Aaron, how are you? Doing well. How about yourself? Doing great. Great to have on your have you on here, man. I know we just started following each other recently on social media, and we've talked a lot about deals in San Antonio and just different things going on, but... I really want to let people know what the San Antonio market is like and how you're being successful in real estate. So could you tell our guests who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one, thanks for having me, of course. Um, my name's Aaron Beal. I'm in uh, out of San Antonio. And then uh, my main thing is me and a business partner have a a company and we buy houses direct to seller. So I'll, I mean, we'll occasionally buy from wholesalers, agents, that sort of stuff, but probably nine upwards of 95% of our business is, you know, working directly with homeowners. Um, from there, we do a lot of fix and flips. We wholesale a little bit. We, we buy rentals, we have Airbnbs, we wholesale kind of any strategy you can think of. But our main thing is like we source off market deals and then, you know, we take them from there. And then um, I've been doing that for about Three and a half, four years. Before that, I worked in oil and gas for a few different um, companies. Kind of didn't like that. Got tired of that. Got tired of working for people, and did the uh, the agent thing for a while. And then, you know, slowly found myself more on the you know direct to seller investment side. And you know, that's what our business looks like today. Awesome. So you bring the lead in, you're doing direct to seller marketing. And then at that point, you figure out what to do with it. Are you going to wholesale it? Are you going to flip it, wholesale it? Or are you going to maybe hold on to it as a rental? Yeah, absolutely. And, and some of that depends on where it is, what it is, mm -hmm. you know, our capacity, um, you know, preference, like, there's certain areas of town or types of projects we don't like taking on. So we you know, that's something we would either wholesale, wholesale, you know, we like newer, nicer houses or, you know, stuff we can make work for Airbnb. So that's more the stuff that, you know, we'll, you know, hold if we can, we have the capacity to like take on the project, refinance at that point. Um, yeah. So it, it just kind of depends. Uh, we're kind of all over the place and depends on the project, but uh, you know, our main thing is just buying good deals and then figuring out what to do with them. Yeah. I like it. And I like that you have a criteria for the deals you're going to hold on to because I talk to people all the time and they say, well, why would you not just buy any deal that you find that's a good deal? And I'm like, well, most of the time they don't fit my criteria. So I have a, a buy box people talk about. Of, I want to buy yep. this specific thing in this specific area for this specific price range. And having a buy box really helps when you know this is the type of property I'm looking for and especially in your business where you're getting a lead and if it fits that buy box, you said, okay, we'll buy it. And do we have capacity to buy it? But if not, how else are we going to sell it and help somebody else have a great opportunity? So really cool business. 
Could you yep, tell our, our listeners, how did you get started real estate investing? So you were in oil and gas. They don't relate too much. What got you interested in real estate investing? Oh, not at all. Uh, but like probably everyone else that listens to this, you know, somehow I stumbled upon bigger pockets, mm -hmm. you know, rich dad, poor dad, that whole, you know, like path that I feel like everyone has to take. Yeah. Um, and then I just started like, I just had this like strange idea in my head of like, if I just bought a house every year, like, and you know, I could rent it for the mortgage, like in 10 years, I'd have 10 houses. And then you start listening to stuff and you realize one, like that criteria is like bad, like it paying for itself is not the objective, like mm -hmm. not what I want to base stuff off of. But then you also find this whole community of like, oh, there's all these other people that like are actually into this thing that I thought I just made up in my head. Um, so then from there, I just kind of became obsessed with it. And it, you know, that like kind of paralleling with a job I, I didn't like, um, you know, a good paying job, you know, all that good stuff. But I just really didn't like it. And it like kind of made me miserable. So I, you know, kind of took a year of, hey, how can I get some Airbnbs, save money? you know, get my license, figure out how to do, do something else. And then uh, that started with me being an agent, I worked for uh, a small like investment brokerage here, started, you know, getting into the kind of like, you know, wholesaling off market deal, you know, sort of business, uh, did three or four deals working for this broker. And then I was like, Hey, I got to figure out how to do this on my own. Because mm -hmm. Each one was progressively a little more money, and I was splitting, you know, thirty to sixty percent of that with uh, with a broker. And then was like, "Hey, if I find my own deals, I think I can figure this out." Um, so then it was a matter of, you know, connecting with people that buy direct to seller, and you know, what does that look like? So that was kind of the quick summary of my probably year, year and a half long process of, hey, I work in a corporate office. Um, you know, doing what I went to school for to now I do nothing that relates to degrees I have and, you know, slowly grown into this real estate thing that's evolved over time. So just out of curiosity, what is your degree? Uh, I have a undergrad in environmental health science, and okay. then I have a master's in safety, security and emergency management. Wow. So I worked at like refineries and then uh, like a corporate role once I moved back to San Antonio. So, okay. you know, it's completely off what you're doing now. Nothing to do with what oh, you're doing now. Absolutely. Very different. Like everything we do now is very, it's very sales oriented. You know, mm -hmm. we're, you know, marketing for stuff, but it's like, you know, my main role was on in our business. Well, now it's a lot of things, but it's mainly the sales side, like meeting with sellers negotiating deals, you know, following up and kind of like managing that entire sales process with buying houses, um, which is just com completely different than my background, but it's a lot of fun. And I've, I've realized I'm, I'm not very employable and not good at working for people. So, so here we are. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. You're in a good spot now. So you started as an agent working for an investment brokerage, you started to figure out how to do deals on your own. Why, why continue to invest in San Antonio? Just because you know it or any re reasons that you really love San Antonio or are you bullish on the future of San Antonio? Um, I mean, I guess because 
like I'm, that's where I live. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of, you know, investing kind of in your backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm from like Southern Ohio, don't okay. have a lot of plans to move back to, you know, the Ohio, Kentucky area. Mm-hmm. Um, really like San Antonio. It's, you know, we don't have, um, you know, some of the crazy growth that you guys see in Austin and, and all of that, but it's, it's more like slow and steady, right? Like mm-hmm. it's never, it doesn't get like, doesn't grow super crazy fast. It doesn't go down super crazy fast. Um, and I just, I just really like the city. So not a whole lot of reason of, of why other than this is kind of where I am and what I know. Yeah. It's basically a giant military base with a lot of hospitals and a, a lot of other businesses there too. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of good things about San Antonio. Are you from the Cincinnati area? Uh, so actually like two hours east of Cincinnati. So still on the river, but kind of um, my hometown's Portsmouth. So by like Kentucky and West Virginia, like I was probably like 10 minutes from Kentucky growing up. Okay. Like the su- very Southern tip of Ohio. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. It's made your way to Texas and you're not going back. Yeah. Just, uh, just don't tell my parents that. Yeah. I won't. Don't worry. So, you know, you're doing a lot of direct to seller deals and I'm sure you're finding them in a lot of really different ways. So when you're talking to these sellers, what's something you look for to avoid doing a bad deal? So you've talked to a seller, the numbers look good. You're walking through the house and you're saying, hey, you know, maybe I'd want to hold on to this. But what's a big red flag for you? Hey, guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. As far as like condition of the house or? Or the deal, you know, condition or deal. What, what's just a red flag that you look out for of, hey, I might not want to do this deal? Oh, man. Uh if the numbers work, I'll do any deal. I mean, honestly, okay. like it's uh, you know, there's there's definitely areas I don't like, but mm-hmm. um, and then there's kind of a level of like I always tell people because you know, people will be like, Why are people selling you their house at a 30, 40, 50 percent discount? Um, and some of that's purely convenience, nice house, nice places. We buy a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like more often than not, they're like there's something going on in your life, like rarely are people like, Hey, my life is like, you know, great. And everything's going well. Like I'm going to sell you my house for 30% off. Um, Mm -hmm. so we deal with, I mean, any sort of like life situation you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, the only thing that like is a red flag for me to the extent of like not wanting to buy it is just like, just people being sketchy. Like, you know, if I feel like they're like lying on stuff, I mean, that all comes out with like title searches and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, on, I mean, my my policy on that kind of stuff is like, I just, you know, the crazier they are, the worse the house is like, I just factored into the deal. Like, if you're going to be a pain to deal with, like, I'm getting a better deal on it, because I don't want to like mess with you. Sure. So there's no red flags. It's more just like, hey, that's uh, another five to 10% off because you're not fun to work with. Yeah. Well, it sounds like for you, location is really the red flag. It's you can't fix the, and I always tell people that you can't fix the location. You could fix the house, like you said, it can be in the most terrible condition, have foundation issues, plumbing issues, electrical issues, but that can all be fixed. You can't fix where it is. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, um, 
And I guess on, on that side, there's things that, you know, if it's a lot of people like the east side of San Antonio, east side of downtown, like I won't own a house there. Like I have, yeah. <laughs> but I won't. And so it's like that, those areas, it's more like, hey, who do I know that does buy here or, you know, the strategy works for them or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, based on that. And then it's like, cool, I don't want to like, I'm not going to take on a project there, but it's more you know, east side of downtown, west side of downtown, I'm like, cool, like the numbers work, we'll buy it. It's just, I don't want to hold anything there. But if, you know, you're into kind of like hoodie rentals, like might be your thing. Or if you're yeah. into owner financing, it, you know, it might be your thing. Um, I like the newer, nicer stuff that doesn't need a ton of work. So, you know, like 70s, 80s builds and newer, those are the houses I like to fix. So, and I, you know, over time, you, you know, you have the ability to be a little pickier on what you want to do and what you don't. Um, and that's kind of you know, where we're at now. Well, and, and what you're talking about is you have all these multiple exit strategies with any property that comes in. So if you get a seller lead, you're picking what to do with it based on where it is and what it is. But absolutely. I love that line of thinking for everything, too. I think it's easy to say, oh, this doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for you, but what about somebody else? You know, if this deal doesn't work for me, maybe it does for Aaron or maybe it does for another strategy. So not just passing up on opportunities and saying, "Eh, that's not for me saying, well, how can I make this work for me? And it doesn't have to be in my typical way of I'm going to buy it and put a long-term rental tenant in it. It could be, I'm going to buy it and do a short-term rental out of it, or I'm going to wholesale it, or I'm going to... yep." buy it and flip it or wholetail it. There's so many ways to make money in real estate. And that's why it's awesome. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, our like preference is like, you know, we're, we're buying hold investors. We, mm-hmm. we want to burn everything we can. We want to keep everything we can, but it's, uh, it's just a capacity thing. And sometimes, you know, it's like, what does the business need? We need money to fund rehabs and to furnish short-term rentals and all these other things. And, you know, there's, there's definitely houses we we've sold that we're like, ah, oh, I want to keep that one. But oh, yeah. and it like pains you and you see it a few months later and you're like, oh, I wish we wish would have kept that one. But it's always this battle of like, you know, what can we hold on to? Like, what can we keep? Um, you know, some of that's just managing that, like, how long does the project take? How long does the refinance take? You know, figuring out all of that. And then, um, you know, kind of seeing what you need at the, at the given time and what you can take on. Awesome. You mentioned a term there that I want to talk about that I get asked about a lot. So Burr, Burr is the Burr strategy is buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. And, you know, you buy a property, typically this in rougher shape, you fix it up, you rent it out, you wait a certain amount of time, depending on the bank, maybe you don't have to wait any time, then you refinance it. And ideally, you get most of or all of your money back. And you repeat. And Aaron, could you talk about that strategy a little bit and why you like it? Yeah, for sure. So um, it's definitely something that you know we we prefer. And um, when I bought stuff before we were doing our own marketing, like this idea of like the perfect burr of like you know you could fix it and take all your money out, I thought was a myth. Mm-hmm. And then you know we start doing our own marketing, our own mail, you know ads, whatever. And, you know, suddenly we have these opportunities where I'm like, cool, you know, we can be all in, we can buy it for 
120, put in 10, 20 grand of work, and it'd be worth 200 and refinance at 75, 80%, whatever, right? Um, pull that money out. And then, you know, we have this thing we own, not free and clear, but we have no money in it. Mm-hmm. And then we know we, we just kind of repeat that process. So that's um, anything we're, we're buying and holding. That's, you know, our preferred method. Um, if we can't refinance, there's some we'll leave money in, but it's, it's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, you know, we're getting good enough deals and the issue in San Antonio is not like the equity. It's more, will this cash flow enough to, you know, get a, you know, DSCR loan of, that's based on the rent paying down the mortgage payment, right? Yeah. Or the ratio between the rent and the mortgage payment. So that's our issue in San Antonio. Cause I'm sure your taxes in Austin are crazy too, but, oh, uh, man. our, uh, our appraisal district kind of likes to play this game of like, how much can we raise them each year? So, mm-hmm. you know, we've had properties double, we've had them, you know, go up significantly. So for us, it's a, it's a matter of, Hey, not only do we need enough equity to refinance this, we also have to make sure either as a long-term or short-term rental, something we can still cash flow this thing. So it makes sense. Um, which is normally the kind of like 250,000 and less houses, mm-hmm. more probably sub 200. You get over that and you're like, you can have like the nicest house in the world in San Antonio. No one's paying you like three or four grand a month for it. Like it just doesn't matter. Like yeah. pool, like 10 acre, like no one, no one cares. You know, it's like there just aren't rentals at that price point that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's a, a big you know, I think that's the biggest shortcoming of Burr. And like you just said, you buy a property, you need to buy it at such a good deal that after you rehab it and get a new loan on it and get most of or all your money back, it cash flows well. And something you mentioned was property taxes. Yeah, they're aggressive with property taxes in Texas. And different cities are different. Austin's very aggressive. San Antonio is also very aggressive. But they're aggressive because that's how they fund the schools and the road and the police and everything because we don't have state income tax. So yep. when you're doing a burr, understand that you might be getting all of your money back, but you also might not get a ton of money every month. And that's just a, a price you pay for not really having any money in it. If you would have bought that same property for 120 to Aaron mention as example and then you put that 20 into it your payments are much lower than a 200 160,000 dollar loan because you bought it for 120 you put 20 in maybe you've got a 90,000 dollar loan on it i mean that's great you're going to cash flow really well but you have 50,000 dollars in that property so just a much yep. different scenario but yeah i love the one the thing strategy um... too that I will say that we've found too is, uh, have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can not even being a millionaire by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join GoBundance.com slash Emerge, GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole life millionaire. We do... So we run TV ads. So, oh, cool. you know, with mail and stuff, we can kind of, you know, Google ads, we control 
where stuff's coming in, all of that. When you when you run TV, you kind of get like anything within like a two hour radius. Mm-hmm. So you know, we buy we just bought a house in Kerrville, you know, hour hour fifteen minutes from San Antonio. Um, so we get a lot of these kind of like outskirts, you know, tertiary markets. And, you know, if you want to have rentals in those places, I feel like they do better. Like the, some of those counties aren't, aren't near as aggressive on taxes. So mm-hmm. stuff we own in like Canyon Lake going North a little bit, like taxes are very reasonable or, you know, we buy a lot of mobile homes, um, you know, mobile homes, you're basically taxed on the land value. So, so stuff like that, there's, I mean, there's definitely ways if you're creative, you can find stuff that, that works for rentals. It's just, you know, it's not going to be your, Hey, this is a perfect burr. And you know, the taxes are super low and like life's great. And the taxes never go up. Cause that's just not the world we're living in, but mm-hmm. you know, we have other benefits like we have decent appreciation and you know, we're pretty, pretty stable market. So it's kind of, you just, uh, you just have to work with what you have. Can you talk about mobile homes for a second? We've actually never had anybody on here that buys mobile homes. Oh yeah. So I, uh, I love mobile homes, um, which is not normal. Uh, so I had a friend who does kind of does what we do in, in Florida and he was in like a real high price point market. So he started buying mobile homes cause like, you know, single family house are like five, $600,000. So he's like, mm-hmm. how am I going to do this? So kind of talked to him and then i i just kind of realized like no one buys these or you know you're able to get really good deals because there's a very like low perceived value of like you know i can buy a mobile home and you know run our numbers of being all in it 55 60 65 percent um whereas if i make an offer on like a stick built house that way and there's any competition at all like there's no one's going to take that offer. Right. So, you know, we're buying those at like 70, 75% and mobile homes, we're getting a lot, a lot deeper, um, as far as discount. So I just kind of like played with it a little bit. And then, you know, I've, I've flipped, I don't know, probably 20 plus at this point. And strangely, there's like, I still don't like fully understand it. Like, I don't know why people want to live in mobile homes, but they do. Um, and I've kind of just like, resolved to like i don't really need to understand as long as as long as someone buys it you know so there's um we'll only buy stuff with land like we're not buying homes and parks or on leased land or anything mm-hmm. but as long as as long as it comes with a lot like and they're a lot of times they're a little more rural so you know kind of outskirts of san antonio but they've been some of the best deals we've done um really like them so you know, there's, there's quirks with them, but, uh, you know, a lot of these are like nineties and newer builds too. So it's like, you're not rewiring it. You're not replumbing it, you know? So there's, there's, I don't know. I think there can, there's less that can go wrong a lot of times. Um, and then it's like, my thing is like, as long as there's comps for them. So like, are people buying them with conventional loans? Are people buying them with cash? And as long as those exist, I'm like, okay, someone will buy this. Yeah. So I don't know. We uh we like them and do quite a few of them. I think there's a huge stigma around mobile homes. And I really think it's the mobile word is a big uh, manufacturer. If you say manufactured home, it's the same thing. 
But people yep. hear that and they say, oh, that's uh, one of those fancy modular homes or something like that. And you're like, no, I'm talking about that mobile home right there. So yep. there's just such a stigma. And I've been in quite a few where I'm like, this is nicer than my house. These right. things, they can be really, really nice. And they're a great solution to the affordable housing problem that we seem to have that it makes you scratch your head and wonder, like, if we really wanted to fix this problem, all we have to do is start allowing people to make more mobile home parks and affordable housing problem gone. It's so yeah. simple. It's it's definitely interesting. Uh, I mean, but I've bought houses from people with like three or $400,000 houses. And they're like, I'm like, where are you moving? And they're like, oh, we just bought some land. And like, I'm going to put a mobile home on it. And then like our son or daughter's going to live there too. Yeah. And I was like, that that's not what I want ever. But uh, you do you, you know, like, but there's, you know, there's people that like, hey, they want land, they want whatever. And they like mobile homes. So um, it's kind of a thing of like, I probably wouldn't want to live in one. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think that there's, a, you know, there's a market there. And, you know, people that want, you know, a half, like a half acre is not, you know, abnormal on a, with a mobile home, or, you know, they want to be out of the city or, you know, whatever. So it's been a, a nice little, um, you know, kind of asset class for us. Or we've done, we've done a few in New Braunfels. And it's like, you sell a mobile home in New Braunfels for 150 grand when like you can't buy a house under 300 hardly. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like an affordable way to get in places too. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we really like them. Um, there's definitely some quirks and some things you need to know and like lending's tougher and like getting like hard money lenders on board. And there's just a lot of kind of like stigma around it, but it's like, you know, it's just a problem you got to figure out. And if you can figure it out, like, you know, you make money because you solve problems. So that's, uh, you know, kind of uh, our experience with mobile homes and we'll hopefully do a lot more. Yeah, I like it. I like the whole asset class, just the, the problems it solves and the simplicity of them too. Is, you know, we, we need to drop a house and we need to be ready in a few days, mobile home. Jordan Moorhead here. Really quickly, wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on. Yep. You know, we want an affordable house, mobile home. So, yep, absolutely. If we can just start saying manufactured home, people will start, stop remembering there's a difference between them and modular housing, even. Yeah, because the whole mobile thing, because people will be like, oh, like, do you have to take the wheels off of it? And I'm always like, what are you talking about? Like, there's, <laughs> like there's all this like, oh, you can't finance it unless you take the axle off. Like people will like ask me questions like that. And I'm like, none of this is real. Like, yeah. you know, it's like we've, we've, our title company's gotten really good at mobile homes and we've gotten good at them, but it's like, there's just all this like weird stuff where they'll be like, oh, is it on like a permanent foundation? I'm like, yeah, go look at it. Like, yeah here's an engineer report, you know, whatever. But there's just all these like weird, like thoughts and beliefs around it. Like the people just like heard somewhere and they'll repeat, but you're like, that's not even real. Like, where are you getting this? But yeah, it's, it's just, fun. It's a stigma around them and it's not a normal house. It's not a stick built home. They're yep. built similarly. Sometimes like they have framing, but they're built in a factory. So yep. yeah, it just, it confuses people. Um, 
Aaron, do you have some long-term goals or what's next for you? I know you've been in real estate. You've done a lot in a short amount of time. What's what's next for you in business? Oh gosh, that's a that's a hard one. So um not you know super defined or specific. Um, you know, I want to be so for our business, we're probably doing five to eight houses a month that we're buying nice. at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, the next year we'd like to get that to you know, probably 10 to 15 a month. And then um, I personally want to start buying bigger stuff. So storage, commercial, you know, some of that. Um, so my goal is to kind of focus my time on on bigger assets, you know, mm-hmm. one from there's a lot of tax benefits to buying that stuff over holding it, but also um, you can just put bigger fees on, on more expensive stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So we're kind of building out our, our team on the home buying side, and I will probably shift my focus to some bigger stuff. And then, um, I don't know, buy a lot of houses, have a lot of rentals. And, you know, it's not a super defined, you know, goal or metric, but, uh, I mean, my big thing is like, I want to have fun. I want to enjoy what I'm doing as long as I'm doing that, like enjoy my work. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm good. That's a good goal. Having fun, enjoying what you're doing is definitely makes it worth it. Yeah, I had a lot of years of not doing that. So I'm like, cool. Like, do I wake up and like dread doing what I'm doing? As long as that's not the case, it's like, you know, works a lot of fun right now. And if if that changes, maybe we reevaluate things. But mm-hmm. right now, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. It's good to hear. Do you have a favorite business or mindset book that you like to recommend to people? For sure. So without a doubt, it would be um, how to win friends and influence people. So um, I mean, that's something that I mean, honestly, I probably listen to the audio book of that like two or three times a year. Um, To the extent that I want it to just like naturally flow into like, what I'm doing, how I'm talking to people, all of that, because the big part of our business is building relationships, working with people, you know, negotiating with sellers and you know, there's, there's just so many, so many good nuggets in that, in that book that are super applicable to, you know, working with people. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely the one I I recommend. Yeah. That's a great book too. If anybody hasn't read it, how to win friends and influence people from Dale Carnegie, an amazing book. Uh, Aaron, do you have a best way people can get a hold of you or follow you? Yeah, probably just Instagram. So, um, my name on there is just first name dot last name. So Aaron dot Beal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always posting what we're doing, crazy stories, stuff you probably don't want to see. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just, I just try to be really transparent and honest, you know, we share the good, we share the bad. Uh, it's definitely not, not a highlight reel, but, uh, have a lot of fun along the way. So if you're, if you're down for a, maybe a crazy adventure, give me a follow. Awesome. Well, that's cool to hear that it's not just a high a highlight reel. It's more of this is real life. Working with uh d- distressed sellers. Um, do you have a favorite restaurant in San Antonio that you like to recommend to people? Yeah, so I mean, I, I could probably give you several. Uh <laughs> my go-to place is a a brewery in Southtown called uh Kunzler Brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, they have like some German food, they have pretzels, they have brats. Um Really good beer, really good, like, cool little kind of artsy area of downtown. Um, yes, that's kind of my go-to spot. Awesome. Cool. Um, so 
Guys, make sure to follow Aaron on Instagram if you want to see a fun time at Aaron.Beal. And you spell Beal B-I-H-L. Aaron yep. is just A-A-R-O-N. So at Aaron.Beal on Instagram. As always, I'm at Jordan underscore Moorhead on Instagram. But Aaron, been great having you on here, and I hope to talk to you here soon. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Talk to you soon.